here we are, 12 rows back. The 2022 season is done. We can learn no more from this year. It is in the books. The Geelong Cats are the 2022 Premiers. Absolutely romping their way to a huge grand final win. Uh, as I welcome you, Seb. Yeah, oh, it was it was a massive win. How how are you going, Tom? You you all right with this result? You uh, <laughs> you uh, I th- I feel like the Cats' Mad Monday outfits today were directed directly at you. Well, yeah. Look, I yeah, I reckon they were a hundred percent. We know they uh, they listen. There's there's staff in there that know who we are. Um, yeah. Look, I I'm honest with our listeners. I'm salty. Obviously, uh, the South Melbourne uh, Sydney link in the family, plus my just general St Kilda anti Geelongism. Uh, yeah, look, it, it wasn't an enjoyable week, uh, an enjoyable game. I, look, it was probably the worst grand final I've seen for years, Seb. What well, for years? Last year was a cracker, was it? Yeah, yeah. Melbourne breaking the drought had something. It, look, it, it go it for me. Ah, uh, so twenty nineteen, uh, no drought breaking, just an eighty. That's up there. Point win. That's up there. 2014. I didn't rate 2013, 2007. Uh, it could join those. Uh, but I think it might actually pip them all because it was done at quarter time. Legit done at quarter time, which we, we haven't seen. We've seen late in the second or midway through the second, but this one was over early. So for, for your neutral viewer, you, you didn't get a classic. And yeah, if, if you didn't enjoy uh, some of the, the Geelong stories uh it wasn't a great saturday so yep i'm salty and i'll 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 stand by that but uh congrats to the cats uh they were just too good on the day yeah i actually had some at work bail me up today and go now i sat down and watched this grand final i've got to say i wasn't impressed it was over too quickly nothing happened then in the presentation everyone kept crying i don't know what happened and i was like (laughs) well yeah no look it wasn't the best but like did you put any bets on because then you still got a little bit of investment you know you can still sort of watch the players you go, no oh well did you flick over to you know the races they had them at mornington or on the friday at mooney valley it was just, no i don't know <laughs> tough sell for yourself i reckon quite got the whole picture and then i explained the i went from packenham to Coleraine to mooney valley to mornington to morfittville to Sandown over the weekend just to just to keep myself interested um so yeah, it wasn't wasn't the spectacle um, that uh, that we we seem to have gotten in every other finals uh, game, pretty much outside of uh, one one or two for the rest of the finals. Um, not the worst thing. There weren't many eyeballs on it. We lost a million viewers from last year. Yeah, I did see see the numbers. I, I did think it was interesting, and they're they're blaming the time slot, the two thirty time slot. Uh, You'd have to venture part of it, surely, was the game itself. But Twilight, Night Grand Final, here we come. It's, I think it's it's done. It's done its dash now, unfortunately. I, I love that it was, a, you know, 2.30 prime time during the day. Uh, you know, Robbie Williams, he was awesome, Seb. I think the day peaked then for us Swans fans on the day. Uh, I'll have to yeah. take your word for it because didn't watch a second of the pregame entertainment with Robbie Williams. He was good, mate. I don't mind him. Uh, but, I mean, it probably would have looked better at night, to be fair, too. So, uh, look, I think, uh, yeah, the Red Bull game is in danger. And, and, I mean, we know the broadcast dollars. You're you know, not talking test cricket there, are you? No, no. I mean, uh, the Red Sharon. Uh, I'm not going to delve too into cricket at this point of the year. Um, 
they mean the the broadcasting dollar talks, doesn't it? So surely at least Twilight next year, you'd have to say. Oh, well, it's a no-brainer, and it's always been a no-brainer, and. They would have planned it and went deliberately and go, yep, we'll play this one at 2.30. We'll give the people what they want, apparently. Um, and then we'll point the ratings out to them and go, yep, see, million less. Can't argue with it next year. Um, the obvious argument is all of Victoria being the Victorian League, uh, which in lockdown last year. So we couldn't go out. We couldn't get together. We couldn't celebrate. So that meant TVs on the game in some houses, two TVs given you might have your kids watching in one room and you might watch in the other and that sort of thing. Um, all valid points, but there's a reason, right? You know, they want to put the grand final on in prime time. You know why it's called prime time, Tom? Cause more people can watch at said time being prime time. So forget COVID lockdown. It's got to go later to get more eyes on the product you know what I find really funny? The people whinging are the people who are going to watch it, whether it's on at six in the morning or yeah, 10 o'clock exactly. at night, they're going to watch it. So like the issue I think for them is the tradition of the grand final barbecue and doing all that and getting set up at 12, one o'clock, having something to eat, watching the game, then having a little bit of a dissect afterwards. Yeah, I get that. But, um, you know, to grow the game and the spectacle and everything else, this is what's going to happen. Um, I'd just start getting used to it. Uh, I think so. I mean, Twilight you, traditionally is like 4.40, 4.45, only two hours later. It's not a huge momentous shift. It's just that, you know, finishing, well, it's yellow ball finishing board line as the sun goes down. So look, Every other final, every other final yeah, that night. at night. Every single one. There's a Twilight prelim to get the travelling team home, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, True. I mean, <clears throat> to play devil's advocate, I mean, uh, we hadn't seen it. And I know you're not on this Vic train, but it was pretty awesome seeing the G100,000 perfect perfect conditions, not a not a cloud in the sky at, in the middle of the day. Like that, that's the grand final site that we, us traditionalists love, but traditionalists love. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It, it's, it's moving. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, it's moving. It has to. Um, this spot this year might be. Well, we're breaking the guard. Not a single team based out of Melbourne won a final this year. Yeah, what was that? Pies Wait. against Freo. Yeah, no, yeah, there was one, which was Collingwood Freo. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, you could point. I mean, are these big drawing teams? But I think Sydney usually rate pretty well in the granny because you get their viewership in New South Wales. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen Cats ratings before, but. Um, yeah, it's, I think your COVID point's valid. I mean, last year it was this was a must-watch event, and it, and it was actually Twilight itself. You know, it was traditional time slot over there, but obviously the the time difference. So, yeah, the, they're going to do what they do at AFL. They'll twist the stats as they need and move it to where they need to. So, for the two thirty lovers, I, I think you're out of a gig. Yeah, and I'm I'm just going to go a little bit controversial here. Um, everyone's yes. saying how great it was to be back in Melbourne. And I think you're one of them, Tom, at the G, the home of football, the traditional ground. And apparently not a single person was sick, caught in traffic, couldn't make it. Every single person who bought a ticket walked in, apparently, were at capacity. Yeah, um, I actually did notice that because I, I don't mind on Granny Day doing a sweep that includes predicting the crowd. I do have to point out what the capacity is. And it was 100%, like a 100,024, which is the G's max. Uh, yeah. That's... Unbelievable. 
Yeah, uh, it was. It's great. It's great to have footy back at the time. This, that, and the other, and and this is why it should be at the G every year. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I want to challenge you as to why it's a clear example of why it shouldn't be at the G every year. It was such <laughs> a big deal because we hadn't had it for two years, three years. We'd gone yeah, to Brisbane, so you... we'd gone to Perth, and then it comes back and it's a bigger deal. Now, if you play it every year, it's a big deal, but not a big deal as in we haven't had this here for three years. So uh, absolutely, so you, that should you be You go in the, uh, what would you call that, the Olympics theory. You know, if we had the Olympics every year, wouldn't wouldn't be as special grabbing that goal. But every four years, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, what are you talking every second year, third year? What's, uh, I, what's I, the ideal mix? My ideal mix every five years. Five years. I think to sell this to the people, it has to be every second year, just to just to ease those traditionalists who, you know, we have to have it at the G. Let's lock it in for fifty six million years because that's how we did it back in the eighteen ninety six. Um, you know, that, that's just garbage way of thinking, but that's that seems to be popular. So I think every second year would probably be the only chance I have. Yeah, look, look, that's fair. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking rolling the dice. I mean, if you're up in New South Wales, it's it's raining heavily up there. So you would have got a slog, whereas we had a perfect day. But, I mean, you're going to get those examples every year. So you can't really stand on that. Um, I mean, it is tough when when you can sneak 100,000 in. Uh, do you have like a minimum that you'd want? But why, 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 is, why is that, the, why is that the, um, the measuring stick when over 50% don't follow either team? Like, why does that matter? We're we're locking fans out, but you're just giving tickets to the corporates. So why does that even matter? Yeah, but I think you do, I mean, proportionally, like, you know, if you had it at the Gabba, what does it hold there? Say 40. Yep. Uh, I think in the grand final week, they sell 17,000 tickets each each side for, you know, 17,000 members get a ticket. So that's 34. So then what? That's just 34% are following... Yeah, so take well, the MCC low, but I mean, out because the MCC don't a... exist in other states. Yeah, well, that's true. But, I mean, I'm, I'm talking when you go to a, yeah, like a, a Gab. Well, a Gabba is going to get bigger, but like a Gabba or, you know, Adelaide Oval, are, you, are those numbers dropping? I, I think, you know, maybe if we can rejig the, uh, you know, fan percentage, and I know they're all about the dollar and getting the corporates through, but... You know, if you get a few more of the the members through, I think I'd I'd be open to your idea. Well, yeah, I mean, members that have to travel as well. That means you have to travel, but it means you make an event. Um, it just it, it grows. I've, I've mentioned it before. It grows the game in other states. The biggest game Sydney gets is, I guess, the prelim. But this was the first one in twenty six years to be played at the SCG. The rest have been out at Homebush. Um, so. If you want to grow the games in those states, you've got to give them big games. You can't rely on like a Brisbane's Q clash to be the biggest game up there and expect eyeballs to start coming and, and getting involved. So that that's my big argument for it. But um, I think the fact we hadn't had one here for three years meant people turned out and they came along and they went to the parade down the Yarra and they went, you know, it, it just became a bigger deal because we'd missed out on so much. And I think part of that, you have to actually sacrifice and give it up every second year to sort of generate a bit more interest. 
Yeah, look, I, I do. Yeah, I, I see your point. I'm thinking, I have a feeling, you know, that Collingwood West Coast game was a 100,022. I think they sell out the G no matter who's playing. But I think just the, the atmosphere we got on the day and the extra buzz generated from the weight, it yeah, is worth having a look at. But I feel like you're going to fill that stadium no matter what. Like they didn't pack it, it out but... 100% because it was two years away. I think it was just... Well, I mean, there's probably an ingredient of it was two years away, but they sell it out if if it's there every year anyway. But look, I know what you mean. I, look, I I don't mind in every second year. I, I could I could see that happening um, for the benefit of the game. You know, we've seen it in Brisbane. We've seen it in Perth. You know, Adelaide Oval is an awesome stadium, so you'd like to see what they do it there. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll go the opposite. Said maybe every five years we we take it outside the G. I'm I'm for anything for getting it out of this centralised Melbourne, uh, Melbourne sport because it yeah it really should be passed around. Ah, fair. Well, look, it it is interesting. We're we're talking about these peripheral things and not the game itself because yeah, look, it was a dead set stinker. It was it was over well, by quarter time. Did you have a moment when you were like, this one is done? Not till the third quarter, for me. Yeah. Um, first, I'd like to start by congratulating Geelong on their 16th senior premiership, Tom. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd go there, obviously including uh, VFA. Yeah, VFA, VFA, but we count VFL premierships from seven clubs back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, they just, And those premierships don't have the same weight as the other flags in the late 1900s, you know, in the 90s. Um, I... I yeah, I question how they keep the records um, of those sports. But look, um, it's look. It was a blitz early from Geelong, but we've seen a blitz before. We saw Collingwood absolutely blitz West Coast and get out in sort of similar territory in the first quarter, only for them to to peck it back and claw it back. And then you watch that third quarter, and Chad Warner started having himself a bit of a game. It was three goals apiece. Geelong won up by two points, and you sort of thought, right, Sydney got themselves in it. All right, they. Started a little bit shakily. Um, Geelong, you know, they put six on the board before you knew it, but put themselves in the contest. Third quarter is going to tell you one way or the other, and then six goals to none in the third quarter. And, and I, I reckon by about the third or fourth goal, I was like, yep, this one's done. I'm just watching for me multi. Um, <laughs> but look, it was it was 12 goals. Um John kicked six goals in the first and third quarters. So they kicked 12 goals to that end. And in those quarters, Sydney kicked a total of one. And that sort of sums up the game. Because obviously in the last quarter, you had five goals to four, you know, a bit of junk time stuff. Um, um, you know, De Koning sneaking out for a goal. Paddy McCartan sneaking down there for a goal. Um, uh, Tommy Papley getting one on the board late with none of his usual flair. Um, but yeah, it was it was just... The on the cat set themselves up at the start and then buried a nail in the coffin with the third quarter, being the premiership quarter, as my dad reminded me during the game. Yeah, well, look, that that is a good pickup. I mean, yeah, you have a look, six goals to zip, six goals from Sydney. We got a ball game, went the complete other way. Um, yeah, I thought. Uh, look, I've loved his work, but uh, the unfortunate across goal kick from from McCartan to I think it was close. Uh, you know, I mean, as well as the margin, that that's a bit of a team sinker when that kind of thing happens. So that was probably my moment when uh, when I thought it was over. Um, I mean, any time it 
ticks over 40, you're sort of thinking it's a, it's got to be a, you know, 1970 granny sort of situation, which is an unbelievable historic event and a record I don't think we'll see broken. So, yeah, it was always going to be tricky. Look, they did steady in that second, but, yeah, it was just an absolute blitz uh, in that third quarter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the last, like you said, was probably junk time, which is probably, I mean, I, I was saying at the time, do you, do you disregard anything that happened in the last quarter when you're doing your Norm Smith voting? Because it was that junk time style. Like, if you're a Norm Smith voter, how how, do, how would you have approached this game? Is it three quarters worth? Was it when the game was hot? Or was it the the full length? Because I, I feel like there were players that had uh, had some stats in different parts of this uh, game that, yeah, might need more weight than others. Well, everyone's raving on about Chad Warner's game. I'd just like to point out he had 12 touches in the last quarter when the game was done. I don't think he had a bad game by any stretch, but um, 17 touches to three-quarter time, game's done, then you have 12 and come out and put up these great numbers. Well, I can't actually fault him because he was the best of a bad lot, but um, if you if you keep saying, oh, look at his numbers, look at what he did compared to the rest, it's like, yeah, well, like Paddy McCartan floated forward, the Coning floated forward, like, Nothing really mattered in that last quarter. Um, so you're from that camp, so you disregard oh, the last quarter when you're voting. Yeah, absolutely. I like. I would have given it to Dangerfield in a heartbeat. Um, I just he, – he, he had five or six clearances early, which set them up. Yeah, Smith kicked a couple of goals in the first quarter, but how many goals they kicked for the day? 22? 20? Like everyone was kicking goals. Everyone was kicking goals. Um, I think I think goals in a grand final and a big win like this are just massively overrated. Whereas if it's a ten goals to nine and you've kicked three or four of them, that's massive. That's thirty, forty percent of the, the total goals. Um that's not to discount our man Isaac. Um obviously had a, a fantastic game and, and was a deserving winner. Certainly had a big impact. Um given the 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 game in meters gain, I believe. Um fourteen score involvements yeah. was was yeah, it was absolutely outstanding. Um, but I just thought Danger's clearance work set the tone and got the ball rolling early. And, and yeah, they, they set it up with the first quarter and finished it off with the third. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's hard to split in a lot of ways. I mean, does Jack Henry get any credit for keeping Franklin quiet or does the midfield get credit for the ball not even getting up to the forward line? No, nah, well, I was actually thinking of you and I was thinking of uh, the the airtime Henry was getting because you've told me, you know, when you're a forward or well, you're in a forward line and it's not coming down there, a la your ruse and a la Zerha, uh, you can look pretty ordinary. So <laughs> I don't put too much weight on the, on the cats defenders because their midfield did an awesome job and kept it out of there. Uh, you know, I mean, Tommy Stewart, he had a down day, uh, didn't really get well, near it because he was tagged. I'm really glad you brought that up, Tom, because he was the leg of my multi that failed. <laughs> and of course, I don't hold any will to Tom. But I, I, I love Tommy Stewart. reckon he's their most important player. Um, the Herald Sun, as they like to do, do their player ratings. Do you want to take a stab at what rating he got out of 10? Uh, five. 7.5. Yeah, that, that's... Uh... Probably got uh, a couple of points because they won the game uh, over probably the actual game he played. If if you if you're thinking what he has produced and does week in week out, it it was a down game by his lofty standards. Tom, he, he's down there with these total numbers, and there's all these reds, which means he was thirty percent below his average. 
So yeah. just looking at that suggests he was well below his average. So you can even call it average, but he wasn't a wasn't a seven and a half out of ten. Um, so these ratings are if anyone's reading these are garbage. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I can, a lot I can of tell a you. lot of outlets do it. So I know Fox Footy did it, uh, Herald Sun do it. Uh, well, that's that's the same media outlet, Fox and Herald Sun. They yeah, just actually true, they yeah. just trade the media. Um, uh, Jeremy Cameron got a seven. Do you know? So Lance Franklin, dirty day, like, like no arguments there. Do you know at halftime, Jeremy Cameron actually had a lower AFL player rating than Buddy Franklin? Yeah, but his go. team was well up. He was well held and then got kicked one late and he's getting all the plaudits for his uh, off-field work, which he deserves. Um, yeah, there's a bit going on there. He that's... was well beaten. Robbie Fox was probably their best player, Sydney. Yeah, and that matchup was surprising at the time, but he he was keeping them in it because, like we we saw in that first quarter, it was just an avalanche. So Tomahawk, who who I thought had claims on the medal, if you're going when the game was at its hottest, which was that first quarter, you're looking at Toma, you're looking at Isaac, you're looking at Blix. Uh, they all jumped out of the gun, but I mean, I know. It, We'll get back to the ratings, but the papers also love to try and, I guess, give a moment in this game as the moment. And I keep seeing Tomahawk uh, kicking it out of the ruck as the moment. So you can sort of get a taste for the granny just from what the actual moment is. We've got a bloke kicking a snap out of the ruck in the first quarter as the moment of this game. So that just sort of says where the pecking order is for it. But uh, he he had claims early for me. He, He was huge and... I think it was, yeah, Danger was good, but it was a real collective effort from that midfield. I mean, Selwood started on fire as well. He had 12 in the first. Um, they they just came to play. I Yeah, they just had not destiny about them, but they just had a will that we're, we're not going to be second to the footy all day, and they weren't second to the footy. And, yeah, I think if I'm Norm Smith voting, I'm looking at that early half of the game when it was at its hottest, uh, and I'm I'm judging it from that. So, yeah, like I said... Smith, Blix, uh, Tomahawk, Selwood. Um, yeah, love Paddy's work, but I have probably a couple ahead of them there. But it was just a a front half blitz uh, of pressure, and Sydney just didn't have time. It was as shell shocked as you'll see. Like I know we're we're talking dodgy grannies, but at least the the Giants could have almost gone into quarter time in 2019 with a lead. Swans just never looked in it, unfortunately. So um, to go and loop all the way back round. It is funny seeing these ratings post-game because I feel like the winning team gets an extra two points per player and the losing team loses two points a player just purely on win and loss. Uh, and so I don't know if you have any of those scores in front of you, Seb, but I dare I say take two off for the Cats and add two for Sydney and you probably get a bit closer to where it was at uh, for most ratings. I, I, I'm not even – I mean, I think you might have – Fox or the Sun in front of you, but um, most of them you can do that, and I think it'll hold up. Yeah, no, no, you, you would be right. The one stood out for Sydney. Yeah, Tom Hickey got a six. Um, I would have given him a two or a three, given he got an absolute bath from Hawkins early. Um, yeah, that that was the fight because everyone kept saying, "Oh, don't Sydney know what he wants to do? Don't they know? Don't they do their homework?" Well, yeah, they did. Just sometimes Hawkins is too big and strong and gets the right spot and you can't do anything about it. And it was his job as the Ruckman to know that and stop it. Yeah. Is that a a nerves or or a positioning thing? I mean, I felt like there were a lot of nerves on on the Swan side, unfortunately, just 
just moments where it demanded being clean or at least sort of throwing yourself at it or, you know, I think there was one moment they should have just rushed it for a point. They just kick it to Stengel. He goes back, kicks a goal. Um, they just like composure, I thought. And, and and Hickey was, I guess, emblematic of that because, yeah, he, he just got monstered, unfortunately. Um, and that midfield was getting shell-shocked because of the Geelong mids and, and he just couldn't give them any service, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it was... It was probably symbolic of where the rest of the team was at. Um, there was there was one swan, well, a couple of swans we haven't really mentioned. Sam Reed, um, I think John Lomai was still learning after the game and that he should not have played Sam Reed. Um, yeah, he did admit to that being a mistake. I think after the game, safe to say Logan McDonald probably wouldn't have made a difference anyway um, if oh, he that's... was not dropped. That's fair. Uh, that's a well, fair he would have given. I think he would have given them more than Sam Reid did, wouldn't he? Surely. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's got any more in him to give. Um, and Isaac Heaney, um, did he like what? What was the story? Was he not like well, he just didn't do anything for two and a half quarters? Yeah. Look, I, I can't, I can't sink the boots too hard into the Sydney forward line because they just got no delivery. Um, but he goes but I think the move. He? Well, he is a midfielder, so they should have made the move earlier. Um, you know, you've coached, Seb. I mean, how long do you stick to your guns? I mean, it was getting pretty ugly late in that first quarter. I mean, they didn't really make any switches until until the second where they sort of steadied. But, I mean, do you stick to your guns or they did? Or do you, do you mix it up? Like, should we have seen him venture into the centre square in that first quarter? I don't think he got a kick until the late part of the second quarter. Uh, yeah, I'll, what I'll do you do as coach? A lot sooner. A lot sooner. You don't have time to wait and see in this game. Either you get going or you get belted, and they got belted. Um, easier to say from from up in the stands, but um, to just zoom out a bit and look at the the season as a whole. Last off season, Geelong changed their whole assistant coaches. They changed a lot of how they were doing it, and then they got a lot of credit this year for resting like Danger and Selwood and starting them on the bench and doing all these other different things. Now, it's not in a game, but it's for Dangerfield to have played, well, he played 290-odd coming into the year, I think. Um, won a Brownlow, seven or eight-time All-Australian, and to then go, well, we're going to put him on the bench. That's sort of like a, a fair adjustment, you know, and, and a risky one. Because if they then start, if, if the guys you put in the middle aren't getting the clearances and, and you start dropping games, you then have to sort of answer to, to the public. But... um. They they were brave, the cats, in what they did to sort of coaching wise across the year, um, and I think there's some coaches they've got their plans and their structures, and they just they hide behind that and don't have the guts to make a big decision. Um, you know, they sort of threw Papley in through the middle, which he's done at times, but you got someone like Isaac Heaney, and everyone's telling me he's, he's a Brownlow Smoky at the start of the year, and he's got to be this and he's going to be that. Well. Did he make the All-Australian team or just squad, Tom? Uh, no, he was in the team. He was in the team. Oh, I think he should give the Blazer back. Oh, that is that is harsh. Are you? I mean, we're talking, though, it's a coaching error, so it's not his fault, is it? How do, how do you impose yourself when you're not getting the sniff in your forward half? Is he a leader? Uh, well, I mean, they've got three captains, so I know he's not uh, one of them, but I would say he is. A, a, in in this day and age, leader. you're not parked in the goal square. Even if you are the full forward, you still get up and have a chance to impact them. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he did go to the coach, get me involved, get me up the ground. Um, but something tells me 
I don't think he did enough to just get himself in positions um, in this game to have an impact. Um, it's, you can tell me it's harsh, but um, I just I know he's such a talented player with a good pair of hands. Um, you know, he should be the one they swing behind the ball for ten minutes when things aren't going well, and just go. You just go back there and try and mark everything. That's all we want you to do. But uh, you know that he's got so much talent, we haven't seen that from him. Um, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I think part of that is it just unraveled so quickly, unfortunately. Like, it just, it, it was just an onslaught. I mean, it, I, without looking at the stat sheet of grand finals gone by, it was probably the best first quarter in a grand final we've seen for, for some time. I know, look, you mentioned that Pies 2018, they jumped out there, uh, but West Coast pegged a few back late. But there was none of that in this one. It was... I, I mean, the only thing I looked at was, oh, oh, this is how bad it was. I was like looking at the 07 granny to see what that was. That wasn't even this bad at quarter time, despite the end margin in that one. It was as big a statement in that first quarter as we've probably seen in modern times. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for the Swans defenders. Their heads were spinning. They they just couldn't, it, it was just unstoppable. It was a genuine, we've heard that, you know, the dam's broken in, in some sense, but this is probably the... Uh, the best I've seen of that uh, on a footy field. It was just an onslaught. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it took 10 minutes for the first goal to be scored. Next goal at the 15-minute mark. Swan's got one back. Um, but three red time goals for the Cats is sort of, that starts pushing it out. And then, um, yeah, Sydney just needed, they had they probably needed a second or third settler early just to, just to calm the nerves because, they had shown at times this year they had the ability to put pressure on and, and match it with the best, but, yeah, they they, they clearly weren't on their game on, on Saturday. And, um, yeah, we, we got a, ultimately a disappointing granny in the end. Um, the one swan we haven't mentioned who I thought was outstanding was Luke Parker. Um, probably probably needed to do a little bit more in terms of manning Dangerfield early, I think he's the only one with sort of the strength and, and ability to go to him. But he finished with 14 tackles, which you can't you'd be able to walk off the ground and say he tried his guts out all day. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, I mean, I saw him speak after the game. You know, you'd be filthy in those rooms. And, and he got, got in front of a mic with Tom Brown, which... <laughs> It's probably the last thing you want to do after you've lost a granny. You don't want to do that at the best of times, let alone after that kind of granny. So, yeah, full great team. Yeah, I mean, he he tried tried his guts out. It's hard to look. I mean, you look at this game, and I, this is a simplistic way to look at it, but it just felt everything the Cats did came off. They had the perfect game, and on the other side, everything the Swans did, it just didn't click for them. It was a nightmare game, and it was just such a contrast. Um and I'm t- not. It, it it was big things. It was small things. But it was just like comprehensive across the board. I mean, you know, like you said, Cameron had an absolute stinker. Was beaten by Fox, but it didn't matter. You know, that went right for Geelong. Tommy Stewart has a down day. You know, doesn't take his eight marks like some wanted. Only takes four. They still got the job done. It didn't matter. You know, whereas Sydney side, you know, Buddy, you need a big game from him. He didn't get near it, unfortunately, because of the supply. Um, this back six that we've loved was just flooded, couldn't do anything about it. Um, I mean, this uh, one thing that hasn't probably been mentioned in the media, the Cats set shot kicking on the day was was sensational. They they were kicking, particularly Tyson Stengel, they were just kicking goals from wherever it was. 
and they were getting shots. They just constantly were able to spot someone inside 50 and and just they went back and slotted it. And that's the kind of thing on grand final day that uh, you want to see from your team. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the hawk who let them down a little bit with three goals, four. Yeah, exactly. Probably um, might have cost himself a medal. But yeah, I mean, Stengel was Stengel was doing what a small forward should do and taking the chances he got. And yeah, and that's in it. a grand final. You sometimes, I mean, he had fifteen, which is probably more than I thought. But you know, sometimes you might only have seven. But if you can get three goals, that's yeah. a difference. So, um, you know, you compare that, and down the other end, they weren't even getting shots on goal. You know, it was yeah. four goals two at some stage in that th- third quarter, I think. So, um, it just just makes things even tougher. Um, it wasn't a shellacking in terms of Sydney were getting it down there and then Geelong were moving it back out too easily. It just wasn't wasn't even getting down there. Um, for, yeah, I mean, it made it there. hard to. Uh, sorry to cut you there, but it made it hard to. You know, we talked last week in the preview. There's always that bloke that that bobs up and and does something nice and and has one of those games you can set your watch to. Might not get the Norm Smith votes, but you know, you know, without that performance, you're not winning the granny. But it was so comprehensive. I mean, how many do you pull out, or were there not any? I mean, well, maybe De Koning. He was marking everything in that first quarter. Yeah, and... he was, despite a, ner- a nervous first kick. But after that, he he was huge. I actually like Brad Close. I thought he. Found some space and and just did he did some small forward things too, uh, particularly in that third quarter that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, but I think to heart back on that, they had winners everywhere. Like I think Cameron was probably one of the few who was soundly beaten, um, but the, but the rest they just kept going and going and um, yeah the the. They just had a will to to win every contest and keep it moving, and it was very unsydney like the way they, um, the way they sort of performed. And and I've heard a few things. You know, they'll be back. You know, they've got a young list. They're ahead of schedule. Well, I've seen it before. You don't necessarily get back. You gotta, you gotta take the chance when you get it. The Giants, we might have thought thought the same thing, and they didn't really get too close after that. Um. Yeah, yeah, well, the dogs, it, it is true. They, they won the flag. It took them six years to get back, and then they were lucky to even be in the eight this year after playing off last year. So, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. But um, cats are the best side all year and, and deserving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, we can't tell at this point in time, but you just hope for the Swan's sake it's uh, you know just an aberration, a bad day, and they can get, they can bounce back, but. Yeah, we, we have seen. I mean, you don't want to go down that Port Adelaide 07 route where they, they didn't come back for, for half a decade after losing that one. Um, I mean, of the Giants on that road now, I mean, they did make the finals. Uh, did they have they made the finals since 2019? I don't know. Yeah, 2020, they, beat, to... um, they beat Sydney uh, last year. Yeah, they beat year. Sydney last year. That's it. But yeah, look, Port Adelaide 07, you don't, you don't want to head down that road. But I think, I, I mean, I'm bullish on the Swans. I think, yeah, they're, they're under... 24 talent uh, stacks up across the comp. Uh, it'll just be a, you know, I think the great Nick Rewalt said it uh, on a premiership days without winning it, but just bottle that feeling of losing and, and use it to motivate you. you. You'd hope they'd go there. And yeah, I mean, for the Cats, it's the probably the first time since 2008 they've been the best team all year and, and they've saluted with the flag. So uh, congrats to the Cats. Yeah, very nice little little gag there, Tom. Um <laughs> Yeah, so so where to where to from here? Um, the cats are they 
they're going to top up and get older, do you think? Or <laughs> Yeah, true. Well, look, uh, I've got this written down in front of me, Seb. I think it's a fitting conclusion to this Cats era. They've uh, they've reached Everest and and they've made to, made it to the mountain top, uh, and you've got to come down from the from there. So, uh, I mean, it took them what eleven years to get to this point. There was a lot of you know destiny, like I said about this one for them. Um, I mean, I'm I'm trying to imagine what the Cats midfield looks like in two years, let alone five. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, you know, is it? Are we doing these conversations now, or or not? Are we letting them bask? But oh, well, I'm I, happy I, to go on because I, I look. I think yeah, fitting conclusion to this cat's era would so, be how I view it. So, if your list management point of view, you're giving Joel Selwood the tap on the shoulder later this week. Uh, well, yeah, we, we we probably should have given him a shout out during our uh, game review because he was unbelievable, and like we said, his resume is. Is unbelievable. Now I'm reconsidering. He he might get uh, Hall of Fame legend status. I know it's very very rare. Hang, but hang, put... hang on, you're reconsidering. I, I we think had last this week... conversation last week. Did we not? Did we say he was going to be a Hall of Fame legend though? Oh, you'd have to check the tape. But I think <laughs> I was very glowing. And we're you close, were bit... but now he's done it. So I mean, yeah, that conversation probably all right, it reopens then. But um, I mean. <laughs> I'm an outsider looking in. That he's retiring for sure. That that was the feeling I had watching it. Um, I I sort of think he should and go out like that. You can't go out any better than that. Um, that said, if he plays on, anyone who thinks that hurts his legacy is is mad because he's going to go from 355 games to 370 odd, um, which is is just a mammoth career. Um, but yeah, I think you can say what you will. About how he goes about it, oh, I hate I hate that term, but I've just used it. Um, you, you can say what you will about how he plays the game and and his technique in terms of avoiding tackles or, or shrugging them. Um, but it, if you look at it, he's a clear white line fever sort of guy. Once he's playing the game, he'll absolutely want to kill you. And we saw that with that um, when he um, knocked Scott Selwood out and just gave him a little push yeah, on the way through. Um, but then you saw him obviously pre-game with, with um, little Levi Ablett. And then after the game, he got a photo with all the Oz kickers and yeah. um, he was doing everything he could for everyone around him. And, you know, that just sort of spoke volumes and he, he went up another notch in my book. Um, so yeah, I, I've got no doubt he'll be an AFL legend one day. Most games captain, most finals played, premiership captain, Four premierships. We went through it all last week. Um, I think it'll be a fitting end for him. Um, but having said that, Tom, um, for those and, and you're you're clearly one of them, and you won't jump off now. You'll double down. They're they're too old. The cats. Um, do, <laughs> you're you're a mind reader now. Can I I just point well, out though, it is a cats tradition to have their premiership captain uh, retire after winning a granny. Uh, Ling and Harley both did it after their oh nine and eleven granny. So might be a tradition they're going with, but uh, well, yeah, I will Harley double was captain in 07, Tom. So yeah, well, true. Well, yes, I mean, no. maybe he started something in 09 with that asterisk flag. Um, um, but uh, what I was going to say was, do you think their experience helped them in this game? Because... Uh, yeah, look, that's, it's a fair question. I think, I mean, you're looking ex- at experience in terms of just their sheer vintage, uh, not experience on the big dance at the MCG. Cause a lot of them hadn't had that. Uh, a lot of them played in a grand final two years ago, Tom. 
but not in a, not a, not on the G. Uh, oh, does, that matter? does that matter? Does it? Well, look, they, they've played in front of big crowds, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, there's probably a, a good episode about the psychology of of that granny, but anyway, other 2020 and 21 grannies. But look, you're still playing for the same cup. But um, yeah, look, it definitely look, it definitely helped them. I mean, well, like I said, Sydney's under 24s huge, but you know, this is what September's about. The big bodies flying at at a cutthroat last game, and it, it might have been the the one to 5% edge that they needed and they had it because of their seniority. I mean, it was the oldest team to ever play an AFL game as a 22. So uh, you've got to say from the performance, it was just measured. It wasn't panicked. It was well executed and seasoned really. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. So my, my thing is there is obviously an argument. And so you're a club like North Melbourne, we don't need over thirties filling up that list. But we still need some because we've got to compete week in, week out. Um, if you're in the premiership window, it doesn't matter how old they are. You just need to be bringing talent in. And that was that's clearly been Geelong's motto over the years. Um, three first-round picks for Cameron. People are saying, oh, they're too old. How can they give up those picks? Well, as, as we know, you can't judge a trade at the time. You judge it in hindsight. And I think Geelong got the better end of that deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. They, yeah. uh, it's it's the older. Even you go back to like Todd Boyd. If if you get someone that gets you that Premiership Cup, it doesn't really even matter what any trades do. Like it's all about saluting on the last day. So, I mean, yeah, I'm someone who thinks yeah that they've reached Everest and they'll go over the cliff. But look, it doesn't really matter because they got the flag that they wanted. So, I mean, it, it's job done, isn't it? But what they'll go over the cliff in in what like. Do the, do they suddenly wake up in six months and can't play? No, no, tr- no. Well, it, look, uh, I'm saying cliff, and that means you know it's going to be a steep and sudden drop off. But I don't think they can go back to back for a start. So you've ruled them out. Yep. You heard it here first. They cannot win the flag <laughs> next year. Jeez, you'll be playing this back to me this time next year. But uh, yeah, I don't think they can go back to back. Okay, I, I'm banking on that. This was. And you saw the emotion that poured out. This is 11 years in the making. This was proving people wrong. This was an emotional release. And, you know, we we see teams have that emotion from a game to the next game and come out the next week and it just ain't right. You know, there's everyone starts from zero and they've got to go again. Do they, you know, they've climbed the mountain and a lot of their senior players have climbed the mountain. Is there the motivation there? And then there's all the teams next year hungry. So, you know, there's there's a lot of factors at play, but you, you know, I think you're this structure of putting the list together is as unprecedented in 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 the comp's history. Really, we've we've never seen a team this old. And look, Geelong got it to work. And I mean, we spoke about it last year. They were sort of boxed in. They couldn't get rid of these players because they were talented, um, but they weren't probably going to be worth anything on the market. So they had to steer into the experience. They tweaked a few things, got some new blood in there in their bottom six, uh, and went again with a new, quicker game style. So, look, maybe it was up in the coaching box, Seb, that this one got over the line, not so much the list. Oh, well, I'd, I'd say equal parts both ways, but um, I, I, I think teams will start to think twice about having to retire some of these older players if they're in the window. But well, uh, can, can I ask you, going back to 
to the ruse. I mean, you turfed out Boomer, Del Santo, Ferrito, Petrie. Would you have preferred to keep them maybe a year or two more, see what you could have drip dry out of that group? Or I mean, No, well, we'd already drip dry that group, I think, completely. Um, I still think Boomer should have been playing, probably still could play. Like I, I'm true. convinced to be playing game 560 or something now. Um, no, I, I think with the younger clubs, we get caught up. You got to bring young talent in, get the old talent out, old talent out. There's 22 now, 23 spots in the team each week, so you have to have at least some level of a mix. You can play more younger kids to get experience and games into them, but if you if you play a team full of youngsters, look at North, you just almost go uncompetitive. Um, whereas you still want to have a couple of strong sort of defenders, a couple of forwards who can take take the other team's good or better defenders, you know, use a bit of forward craft and that sort of thing, um, and a couple of big bodies to run through the midfield just to just to shoulder some of that load. And um, that's if you're rebuilding, if you're in the window. Like if you're, if you're Sydney now, right, you go, well, hang on, we just got to a grand final. We actually don't need like – Academy pick X coming through this year. We we don't need him. Let's you can't draft and trade, can you? This is this is a very nanny backwards league. Um, let's look at some of our sort of academy picks and see if one can be moved on to sort of bring something better in. Um, they've sort of got to try and look at things like that to sort of get better. Like, why wouldn't Collingwood double down on it? And take Ollie Henry and go, we want some experience. We'll trade him to the Cats, but we want um, – uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm just looking at the team that played in the grand final. There's not many you'd, you'd send off, but we want to um... – yeah, That's what I mean. I mean, there's there's not the raw currency in them. So they they were, they were backed in with them, but I, I know what you're saying. It's... No, no, I'm saying I'm, if I'm Geelong, I'm not giving anyone up for him. Yeah, he won't get a game, Ollie Henry. Um, um, but yeah, I, 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 I just think we're too. If you're not winning, you're last, and therefore you've got to get younger, and that's how you're going to get better to win. I, I think that's a very uh, sort of a '90s tanking sort of sort of thought process, and and I don't think it really benefits teams in the long run. Yeah, look, that that's fair. I guess, I mean, one thing you can, I mean, Geelong, you hang your hat on. They are predictable to their teammates as, as any team we've ever seen. Like, this back six know what, you know, the other members are going to do. The midfield knows what's happening. Forward line knows what's happening. You just know what you're going to get. That's what, you know, tears your hair out with those young teams is that wild inconsistency and, and you know, lack of performance. I think I thought going into the year, the Cats... This, I hope I'm getting this expression right. Had the high, uh, was it either the lowest highest ceiling or the highest low ceiling? As in, you know, we we just expect a certain level from them, and it's an incredibly high level, and that's what we expect. It's it's almost some teams a dream of that, but that's you know the minimum we expect from the cats. So. Um, highest floor is the term you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, highest floor. That's what I was trying to say. Thanks to the listeners tearing their hair out listening to that. But yeah, that's what I meant. So, um, I mean, you get that from from this vintage. Um, I mean, whether it's going to take off as a list management strategy, I don't know. I think this is the only time in the comps history it's worked. So, you know, historically, it's an outlier. Uh, 
But I mean, if you're a Cats fan, you don't care. You've won the flag, so don't worry about it. The players are playing longer now, though, Tom. Yeah, true. Um, uh, but I mean, yeah, like I said, I can't, I can't think of any other senior teams like this that have uh, have won the flag. Um, I mean, the Hawks were old, maybe in that 2015, but they weren't, they weren't ancient. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it, it's unseen. I think, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm looking at my club that made the finals in 2020 and topped up with some veterans. Didn't work. Uh, you know, well, Rossi's first time in Brisbane that's topped not, up with senior talent. And that's dropped out. not comparing apples to apples, though. So if, you, if, if you're just looking at age profile, yes, right? But let's look at it a different way. You need a key forward. They've got one of the best in Hawkins. Brought another one in in Cameron. Right, so they've got two of the top five key forwards. So if you've got that, all right, you've got a Brownlow medalist in Dangerfield, you've got a leader in Selwood, then it was your back six that you sort of need to make sure you got the players for, and that was your Enright, Scarlett, Harley sort of era. They sort of moved on, and they found Tom Stewart. Was he rookied or drafted? Drafted, but it was drafted, real, real late. It was a late pick as, as a senior, mature. Yeah. Um, draftee Jack Henry was rookie. Um, you've got Sam DeConing, I don't quite know where he came from, but drafted, I think maybe a second round, I think, yeah, a couple of years ago. These are all sort of late picks, um, that they've managed to get and mold into the back six, but they've topped up with Isaac Smith, Sean Higgins, Dalhouse couldn't get a game. Um, so that's some of the age that's coming off the list. Um, Reece Stanley, they've been trying to replace for years, we believe. Um, but still, just he, he played exceptionally well on the weekend. Um, it's yeah, um, Tyson Stengel delisted, delisted, picked up. Um, Isaac Smith, obviously, a, a, a oldest man to win a, a Norm Smith medal. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just think they had the pieces there to justify topping up still. Um, and, and at the, if you've got those pieces, the age of the people coming in doesn't matter. It's whether they can get through the year and do the job. Well, yeah. Well, look, I get, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I look, I've steered into the age argument, but I guess you've mentioned some fair talent coming through the door. I mean, the the ability to get a Jeremy Cameron into your club that that's that's going to do wonders. Same with the Paddy Dangerfield. So, look, yeah, they, they've picked their talent. Um, but I, I'm looking at it more from, I mean, what did they really add, you know, from this prelim team to this year? Uh, I think they stuck with the senior guns because, yeah, I mean, their hands were tied and they they had to. But I, I'm going back to the coaching. I think they re, rejigged how they play, uh, and you probably have to give uh, Scotty some credit. Oh, you, you absolutely do. And he, he's been one of the most maligned coaches um, in the league, I think, especially by his own fans over over the last few years. Um, well, yeah, I, I spoke to a Geelong fan start of the year. He said to me, no, we're too old. Can't, I, I know why they've done it. You've you got to sort of compete, but they're not good enough to win it. And lo and behold, here they are. So uh, I'm sure he'll be he'll be going well. Um, but, it, yeah, he changed the way they played. And they went from a much more controlled style to sort of, well, hang on, we've got Hawkins and Cameron. They're better in one-on-one situations than having given the time to get back. Throw in Stengel. Um, I think Stengel coming in, you sort of pushed 
guys like Brad Close, Graham Myers to sort of lift their game a little bit and sort of push a little bit harder because suddenly they weren't the the number one option down as a small forward. And I mean, Gary Rowan's not rated on impact in a lot of ways in terms of goals and possessions, but he, he brings that forward pressure and can take a mark. That mark against Collingwood might have been the mark that won the Cats the flag in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was thinking that too. That to get to get that result, I mean, it was yeah, shades of 07 where they snuck by the pies in that one, and then it just released the pressure valve, and they were off. Um, he was huge in that game. I don't think they're in that prelim without him. So yeah, forget his granny performance. Uh, you go on that qualifying, but um, yeah, I, I still look to go back on it though. I, I still think. As a list strategy, it's a it's a unique one. Uh, I can't see it. I know we're a copycat league, but I, I I don't know how much of this we'll see. Yes, that we might see some senior talent remain on list maybe longer, but I mean, are we going to see, you know, the accumulation a la the Cats to the point where, yeah, they were stuck with their hand. Yep, did brilliantly, played it uh, to an absolute premium. I, I'm just wondering, is it going to take on? Well... Melbourne, you might recall, won the flag last year. They've dropped off. Their number one target's a 29-year-old Ruckman. <laughs> yeah, that's got its own uh, own story, I guess. But, yeah, that's true. I'm just – whack the mic. Uh, just, just throwing that out there. They're not looking at young talent. Their window, they're going to go no matter how old they are, we'll bring them in. Um, so, look, there's no right or wrong when it comes to list management in a lot of ways. Where I think people are wrong is move them on, move them on, move them on. We've got to get younger. They're too old. They're too old. Um, whereas you need a balance. You need the senior guys teaching the younger guys are moving through, and there are going to be times when that demographic's weighted one way or the other. Um, but when it comes to finals, the experience really, really counts, and we saw that on Saturday. Yep. It, yeah, it, that's true. Um, I guess we haven't answered the question, though, moving forward. I mean, I mentioned uh, a cliff's coming. Um, where where do you see the Cats in, th- say, two to three seasons? I mean, can yeah. you see them going back-to-back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a scenario where they go back-to-back. Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but can you see it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I wouldn't so write them cats off. Back I mean, back-to-back. well, the maths, the, the stats guy in me says, well, They've won this year. At that age, there's a lot of against the odds stuff. The odds of them doing it again next year are pretty slim. Um, but Tom Hawkins, Jeremy Cameron, Stengel, that's a pretty good three-headed monster down forward. Uh, the back six, you've mentioned it several times. I know what's going on. They're well settled. Um, and you've got Blitzarves giving them another dimension through the middle, Danger. Selwood, whether he does or doesn't. Obviously, there's a hard luck story of Maxie Holmes missing. Um, Brandon Parfitt was the sub. Like these guys are who in a lot of teams would be regular 22, no worries. Obviously, Holmes was injured, but uh, I met Mark O'Connor came in to play a role. Um, Tom Atkins had a great year. Um, obviously, what the coaches did in terms of putting Selwood in danger on the bench uh, to start games and quarters and things like that, not only did it make them play less game time and keep them a little bit fresher. But it said to the other guys, hey, like I know how good these two are. They're starting on the bench because we believe you can fulfill that role. And that sort of probably put a bit of confidence through the group. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be prelim next year without a doubt. And from there, anything can happen. Um, three years, 
well, I think Hawkins will be gone. No, Selwood will be gone. Um, it's a question of of how they get how how do you get a forward to replace Hawkins? How do you get a leader to replace Selwood? Like I was thinking about that when it looks like Selwood's retiring. Who's the captain next year? Like, do you give Dangerfield the captain, but he's only going to play another couple of seasons? You would think. Um, I, I'd be leaning towards a bloke like Tommy Stewart. Yeah, probably still got a few things to learn in that department, Tommy Stewart. Um, what What do you mean? Uh, oh well, I mean, uh, he uh, like to drag something up. Didn't shake the hand of the little kid that gave him his hat. So it's oh. just t- tidying up the little things there. Look, I mean, he's probably None. the leading candidate. Do you look at? I mean, can Jezza do it? Is he probably I, too old as well? Um, well, I'd want my captain to have a real impact on the game. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, you pro- it's probably Stuart. Um, I mean, I like him, but I just think that was a low moment. I just had to give it some air time. But, uh, yeah, it, look, he's probably the leading candidate. But, look, in what we're saying, two, three years, I'm thinking Duncan, Tui, Selwood, Blixav, Smith, Hawkins, maybe even Danger out of that side. That that's hell of a lot of of borderline irreplaceable talent gone. So that's just why I'm mentioning the Cliff Seb. They've cashed in, so they've got the flag that they need. But uh, it's gonna for them to keep up this bar. Which I mean, the Cats seem to always find a way. If they they've can, been falling off a cliff for eight years. Yeah, now. that's it is true. So. But, I mean, those names have been a constant throughout that time that they've meant to be falling off a cliff. I mean, yeah, I mean, just to mention, too, how do you replace a Hawkins? How do you replace a Selwood? It'd be an unenviable task trying to do that. Yeah, but but, so the names since they first were falling off a cliff are Hawkins and Selwood. Yeah. They they were falling. They were actually, they were declared falling off the cliff in 2011 when they won that flag. Yeah, so that's true. Let's give him three or four years to 2013-14, and you look through that premiership side, and who was recruited prior to that? Duncan obviously played in that 11 flag as a sub. Guthrie was the emergency. Um, I'm just well, looking he, at it. I don't think anyone else in this team was on their list then. Yeah, true. Maybe just after that, you, you might get a Blix and a Jed Buse coming through, I think. But, yeah, look, so th- that's the thing. Blitz this is being a rookie. Team. Rookie listed pick, so yeah, there are. I you can say they're going off a cliff all you want, but uh, Hawkins replacing that forward is a really difficult task. Replacing Selwood's leadership a really difficult task. The rest you can find players. Well, Isaac Smith replacing him, he's a winger. Well, I mean, yeah, you saw that with Holmes. I mean, he he's the walk up replacement. They had three blokes ready to replace him. Um, Look, they've got pieces. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Yeah, it's it's a lot of heart and soul of this era gone. They're a great, as we've seen, one of the best run clubs in the country. So, look, they'll find a way. But it is, it's probably the the biggest task they've they've faced probably since '06. Yeah, no, it's big, no doubt. Um, just be aware. Like you had them outside the eight last year, so just be wary. They, they might be back there next year. There's some comers. Now nah, we'll see. There's a lot of lot of water to go under the bridge there. Um, yeah. So look, a lot to analyse. I can't like I did. I did say said that it's the best year they've had since '08. Uh, it, it was. I mean, two games clear. Uh, they. I mean, they've won two finals by seventy plus. Um, it, they, it, they didn't win the greatest home and away game of all time though, unlike two thousand and nine. So 
still got some things to work towards. Yeah, yeah, they can try. Uh, But no, look, I'll I'll full credit to them, Seb, and they can uh, enjoy enjoy the moment and probably enjoy listening to this, hearing me squirm, Seb. They've got plenty going for them at the moment, the Cats, uh, before we head into this tail end. But we we should make mention of, uh, well, an incident that, that took really some shine out of out of particularly the middle portion of last week. The, uh, the horrific story coming out of the the Hawthorne Football Club. I think we need to give some airtime to um, just an unbelievable story that has ramifications that not just are going to rattle one club, are going to you know rattle multiple clubs. I don't think we've we've seen anything like it, and I'm just talking about it purely from a I guess size standard, let alone you know the awful allegations and and what's happened to certain families. So you know they're obviously top of the list when you're, you're thinking about this story. But it's just a a massive, massive story this one, and one I don't think that we'll get a clear answer on till you know maybe late this year, early next. Yeah, well, it's um, the allegations outlined are pretty sickening. Um, I. Like, like in this day and age, you would feel like, and we are white men, Tom, it's hard for us to have an opinion on this because we don't know what it's like and I can accept that as being true, but I can also accept the fact if we want to change and grow and get better while well, we have to be able to talk about it and question things and I have to question everything I know and, and I'm at risk of offending people when I question like the validity of the claims and I question in this instance the fact that I can't believe two people would actually say, no, go and abort your baby. It's the best thing for your career. You need to do it. Like to the extent it seemed to be outlined in that um, that article. Like, And that's the human being in me. I can't believe they would explicitly outright say those specific things. And Yeah, well, I mean, we, I, I read, the, read the piece and you, you were just hoping that that wasn't the case because it just defies logic uh, that, that that kind of stuff was being said. Yeah. Um, so, like, what I suspect in some variants of the conversation, and obviously I wasn't there, and I'm just theorising here, but um, take take the Indigenous players and the parent, the baby, and take the whole scenario out of it, and just picture a young eighteen year old walking into a club, and the club going, seeing the mates he hangs out with back home, and going, right, for your footy career, a couple of those friends, you can still be friends with them. You just need to. Make sure when you're with them, like don't don't put yourself in any um, silly situations. So don't put yourself in situations where they're out drinking and they've been out all day. See them in the morning or see them for you know trying to control that and sort of explaining how that could potentially derail your career versus helping it. Um, and then to sort of put that put that towards a real example, like Dane Swan, obviously early days um, got himself into a little bit of trouble and. I think he still kept his mates, but he was hanging around with people and doing things that he shouldn't have in order to fulfil his potential as a player. Um, so I imagine that sort of conversation, and obviously worded a lot more eloquently with a lot more thought into it, like a, a sort of just, just theorising here, um, that conversation would have been had with these players to a certain degree because, again, if you come home at 18, 19 and say you're having a baby, the first thought isn't, oh, that's great. I'm so happy for you guys. Like, it's great for you because at 18, 19, I wasn't equipped to deal with, like, my own life. 
personally, let alone having a new child come into the world. And, you know, you've seen and you're, we're in our 30s and, and it's still tough to sort of work that sort of stuff out with young ones. So I can see how that conversation may have happened and how it's potentially been completely wrongly perceived. Um, but like at the moment, it's one version of events and we can't hear the other side of events because it's become a big legal thing because of the way it's been reported. Now, of what it, it drives me nuts is uh, this, I forget his name, but he's gone and got all the stories and he would have corroborated the version of events with other people in that circle. But he's reached out to the club, uh, apparently Fagan and Clarkson, and they haven't responded. He's given them 24 hours. Now, I'm not sure how they're going to respond to it in the first 24 hours, um, but they they de- deny the allegations and people at both clubs have said we stand behind them and they're going to let the due um, justice play out in, in due course. And it, it, like, unless, unless someone in those rooms who's on the Hawthorne side of things comes out and says, no, that's what was said, we're not going to get a clear picture, are we? Well, that yeah, I, that that's true. I mean, I think some, uh, an assistant coach from Hawthorne might have come out and said parts of it were true. I think, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't even really, it's not going to take 100% of these things being corroborated with full evidence. I think if if even part of this is true, that the heads are rolling. Um, and, you know, yes, you can debate whether or not 100% of the things are true, but, you know, that, what's that expression we always say? Where there's smoke, there's a fire. I, I don't think you, you go with these claims and put them out there if if there's not some some truth to them um and yeah look i know yeah 24 hours doesn't doesn't give them you know enough time but i mean if you're in the clear and have nothing to hide you should be able to shut it down quickly i mean you could talk to them and and go through it i i but but how do you prove it like like so so it's going to get ugly i know that like we're going to have to see like medical yeah how am i going to prove that didn't happen well yeah well yeah, I mean that you do hit a stumbling block there, but it, it's because then yeah, it gets ugly if it's it's he said she said all that kind of stuff, obviously. But I, I think, I mean, it, it, maybe it goes to a court and you're under oath. I don't know. It's some sort of extreme, but um, either way, I mean, if we if we're delving in and it gets down to you know specifics of even this topic, I think there's enough there for for heads to roll as well, and um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think it, it's just too. It's just such a big allegation. I just can't imagine it just being wiped in any way. I don't think you can sweep any of it under the rug. So I just think that there's, yeah, some coaches and, and footy ops people that that are going to be out of a job because of it. And that, you know, that's just how it's going to be. And that's from what I, I've read. I think that's fair. But well, so like they get look, they're going to do it. They're going to continue the investigation. That's what I meant before. When like we're not going to find out till later in the year. So the AFL run theirs. Um, I think the you know Clarkson Fagan, but they'll all get their say. Um, and yeah, you, you're going to hear probably two wildly different versions of events. But I guess if you're doing a proper investigation, then they will be able to find some sort of evidence. Either way, proving certain things, but I'm I'm just sitting here thinking that you know they're just so 
wildly shocking these allegations i just don't think you know given the size of them that yeah like i said where there's smoke there's a fire i think there's just my instincts telling me there is something there and i'm 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 believing what was written uh, so so just off anyone can write anything and that's the truth well, it's investigative journalism, so they don't make things up when they go that deep. I mean, it wasn't a fluff piece. It was a very long and detailed article, you know, yeah. with, with, look, with sources from one side, but, you know, it, it was some, it was some, yeah, pretty, pretty strong hand, handed stuff. Uh, it, and it look, was. I don't know if Fagan and Clarkson denied it, but you know, they've do they deny categorically it they denied it. Yeah. Categorically denied. Okay. I thought it was more just a, a distancing, but. Yeah, they um, they can't comment on it, but they're deeply. You'd have to look up the exact wording. They can can't comment answer, any further. But why um, can't they say anything? Is it is that's well, legal? It's, is it? It's legal now. Um, so like, the way everyone's treating it, there's allegations that come up. You have you have an investigation. You go through it and you work out whether it's right or wrong, um, or sorry, whether it's true or not. And there are degrees of truth. I get all that. Clarkson and, and Fagan, uh, uh, people are calling for them to stand down and they should be stripped and you've just said they should, heads are going to roll, but on what basis? Like a, a one version of events when you haven't even heard the other version of events that, uh, of, of how these conversations went. Um, and, and this is, again, um, um, if it happened, it, it's horrible and, and no one should go through that if it's happened the way it's been. Described and I put my hand up and, and say that categorically. But at the end of the article details out how everything spiraled after the family left. There were five suicide attempts. Um, his mental health decline has declined massively, and I can't believe that's all off the back of a few conversations with the coach about wanting to isolate him from from his partner. Um, that yeah, means that, there's a lot hard, more going can't... on, and that then makes me question the whole version of events and are they playing the victim card here? And that's yeah, but you not can't that- get in somebody else's head like that. Can you? You can't assume what someone's going through. Can you? No, you can't. And we know nothing about mental health. Well, that's what we keep getting told and we need to respect it and stand our distance. Well, I, I'm sort of looking at it and just everyone, not everyone, a lot of people struggle with varying degrees of it. Um, this just seems to be on the extreme end and they're pointing a finger at a conversation that one party says it didn't happen and they're saying it did. So I don't think we'll ever get the full truth as to what was said, even if it's agreed and there's a settlement that'll all be sealed and that won't see the light of day. Um, there's it, it, It's a horrible situation. It's horrible for everyone involved, true or not. Um, you know, for them to, because I think the other thing that gets forgotten about here is there can be a version of events, but again, like well, this might be the example. You see things one way, and I see them the other. Now that's fine for general opinion. So, you know, you watch a game of footy, and and you know, I, I think one player played well. You think he didn't, right? That's a fine sort of thing. But when it's your life and everything going on in it and you think you've been really hard done by and they're doing all this to you, even if they're not, it's very hard to sort of see that. And it feels like it's piling in on you and, and that um, could be an element of that. And it, it could be a, a flip side of it in that 
the club, the people involved at the club think they're doing absolutely everything right, and that's what they believe. But if the player's taking it like this, it doesn't end up being the right thing. And there's a lot of grey in all of that. Um, it just, oh, we're going to do this review and we're going to get all these things involved. It's going to take months and months and months. Um, and I feel like we'll be like the Essendon review. We won't actually know whether things did or didn't happen and we'll have to hand out some punishments at the end of it so people feel better about it. Well, yeah, I I do agree with that. I feel it, it, it might be heading towards some sort of governance punishment, which I think is what ended up happening to the Bombers, that it was just badly well, managed. But, yeah, I guess there's conversational parts that I guess we might never know. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, different phones and different SIM cards. I mean, can we find out what, you know, what people's plans were at that time? I, I, don't, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, look, I, I take your points on. I, I just think, yeah, it's just, I just from what I have in front of me now, yes, there will be Clarko and, and Fagan stories here, but I don't know. It's just more of an instinct thing. I think I'm going on, Seb. I mean, anytime there's the win at all costs attitude at a club, it doesn't end well. You know, it, have a look at the Eagles 06. You know, it was that win at all costs and, you know, it, it it tore that club and, and they pushed themselves to the absolute brink. There's people still recovering from stuff that went on then. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's just but I don't maybe think things I... swept under the rug in that time because they are winning and that we, we don't know. And, I mean, winning cures a lot of things in a lot of eyes, um, whether or not things were being swept under the rug or ignored or pushing limits. I mean, pushing limits even sounds wrong when we're talking about what is being, you know, but, uh, alleged. Yeah, I, but... I don't think conversations with players who are barely on the list can come back to win at all costs mentality. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's the stuff being said. Yeah, it, it, unbelievably extreme. But I, it's just, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to picture. You know, we we are talking. It's happening to fringe players, but you know, it's why why them? Why why does it have to happen to the fringe player? You know what I mean? Like, I guess I'm trying to say, I'm trying to. I mean, I've tried to work out who the players are in my own time. I'm not going to air that out here, but it's just um, the group, the the victimized group here. It's it's you can't ignore. I guess that it it was the Indigenous boys copying it. And I don't think you can take that side out of it. So, you know, did... But the report doesn't say that it didn't happen to others. I thought it did. Oh, I'd have to... Maybe yeah, I'd look, to I might have it, to but, read um, through it. But yeah. it just, I thought it just had three examples and we understand it was all, all First Nations um, people. Um, well, yeah, I guess, well, yeah, like, with that... Without going into the specifics, I mean, hopefully the further investigating of this story, you know, will will it uncover more that weren't in that area? But I think it's just a, it's an area of the game that you know it still needs massive, massive resourcing and and endorsement and, um, yeah, it just took the full it took it took the shine off of Granny Week and and it's just it. This will be our summer. We'll be following this story and seeing where it goes. You would think. Yeah. So there are two quick things. One, a little conspiracy theory, and then another question. Um, I believe, and you can tell me I'm crazy. I so Hawthorne commissioned this do better report. Sorry, that's what the was it 
Collingwood one was do better. So they've commissioned a similar style report. They've had the results of this report for, I think, a couple of weeks. I suspect this was pushed out um, to this reporter and then this article was sort of set up from Hawthorne's end to come out three days before the grand final. It names Clarkson and Fagan, and they've copped more heat than the Hawthorne Footy Club, the family club. So people who are not involved in Hawthorne have copped more heat than anyone else. And it's been leaked three days before the grand final, and not a word has been spoken about it since Saturday morning because of the grand final. Everyone's been on grand final, grand final, grand final. Even today, it's the Cats Mad Monday um, shenanigans well ahead of, hang on, we had this report a week ago. Like, how are the players? We don't know who the players are, but how's it going? Like, when's the AFL going to announce who's on this King's Council to oversee the investigation? We've got nothing on it. And we're asking questions about that. Trade periods in full swing. Like, it's a little bit of, all right, there's never going to be a good time to get this out. Let's do it now. Let's do it in between these two, the prelims, the grand final. We'll see if we can just not bury it, but just get it out there and have other things come over the top of it. Um, Am I crazy? Because that happens. That general thought happens all the time. I just, I can't believe that Clarkson and Fagan, A, they're copying it the most, and B, North Melbourne and Brisbane. If it comes out as true, well, then obviously they're not going to coach another day in footy. Um, But North Melbourne and Brisbane in the immediate are the most affected because we need our senior coach for like a recruiting period. Um, obviously probably more key at North and Brisbane, but pre-season training and all that. Um, I wonder what would have happened if Brisbane had beaten Geelong and were playing Sydney in the grand final and that came out. Yeah, geez, imagine that. That Well, yeah, I, I can't even picture that scenario. I mean, but does an assistant coach step into the role there? You'd have to say they would. Um, look, uh, interesting, I think, uh, the bit I jumped on there is that, yeah, you are right. I mean, the Hawks haven't really copped it at all. It's it, it's individuals, not not the club as a whole. I mean, yeah, I mean, can you draw a bow? They they put that review out there. Maybe they saw all this that they didn't like, and it's like, who, all right, who, who are we pinging this on? Who are the scapegoats here? I don't know. I'm just drawing bows. But, yeah, yeah look, it's, that one's it's got just some, a theory that we'll never something. know. We'll never yeah. know. Um but it just, yeah, I can't believe all this stuff happened at Hawthorne and it's all about these other two orchestrated almost as though Hawthorne didn't even know what's going on. Um, and, and maybe we that's the case because it Jeff is. Jeff Kennett, the, he has been silent, wasn't yeah, he? He wasn't the president at the time, I believe. He was out and came back. Um, oh, okay. I think he's overseas. So, you know, Zoom doesn't work overseas. <laughs> um, but it, it, just, just a theory. And, one last question, Tom, and this is um, answer it freely. Um, do you would you like your club to do a similar report, a review of, of what what's happened with Indigenous players over the time at your club? So you don't have to be secure or specific, but your club. Yeah, I think all eighteen should do one. So, what benefit do you get out of doing it? Me as a club, or me as a supporter? No, as a club. Like, what what benefit? Well, I mean, if if there's long-standing poor practices in this area, then you want to call them out and get better. I mean, 
do better is obviously the the pies term, but it's you basically want to do better. This is an area not just in footy, just in, I think in society that it you know isn't done as well as it could be done. It's not something that you know is widespread, and and you know we we do it unbelievable levels i think every workplace let alone football clubs could get better so um you know i think we're you know we're, we're talking about yeah so so i'll ask a follow-up question did you need this in a report to know that you shouldn't be doing it in 2022 well yeah i guess not um so what what i'm saying is Collingwood have done a report and they found systemic racism. Hawthorne have done a report. They're going to find the same thing. I don't think all the clubs doing a report is going to help all that much. I, I think you draw the line in the sand and just say, we need to do better. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to put an Indigenous welfare officer in every club, and that's nothing to do with the footy department spend. Um we're going well, to. There should be things like that happening already. I think it's. We're going to bring Eddie Betts into AFL House, and he's going to spearhead something to go and review it, and he's going to get around and talk to the Indigenous players specifically. Um, there's things like that that I think that might that would be money better spent than reviewing what happened at Fremantle over the last ten years with their Indigenous players. Yeah, I guess so, but I mean. <laughs> We're if I think every club will probably have skeletons in the closet in 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 this area. So I think so. What's the benefit of bringing them all out? It causes more hurt to the people involved initially. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think I, I think you you acknowledge the errors. You know, you learn from the mistakes, learn why they happened, and and get better from that. I know, yeah, it, you know, it can be dragging things up, but they're probably. You know, we're talking about both sides getting a say. Maybe, you know, there's an opportunity for things to be said that haven't been able to be said before. I think, you know, we're looking at it from our point of view, but I think there's, a, you know, a, not even, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but, you know, there's a vo- there's voices here that aren't going to be heard. And I think reports like these are the only way that we can, we, it seems to be that they can come through. Um, so we just need to f- funnel them, learn from them and get better and, and yeah, actually do better. Like, I can't believe I'm quoting the, the name of the report. I just think there's, yeah, every club is going to have issues, unfortunately. And I think the more work we put into it, the better. Reviews are the way to find out and get to the bottom of these issues. Review sort of seems, you know, a bit blase. I think it's more just an investigation, really, uh, of your practices. Um, so I look. I think, so, yeah, but why why do. review what you've done over ten years rather than reviewing what you did this year and how you can improve on this year? Yeah, but it's I like mean, reviewing a game of footy five years ago to see how you can get better next year. It doesn't hold anywhere near as much weight. Yeah, now, but I mean, if you, you know you've at... done things and need to apologise for them, different story. But like overall, to say we want to have a review, or like Freo and West Coast said, we welcome a review. That's just PR bullshit. Excuse my French. But that, that's what it is. It's like, yep, yeah, we'll have a review. And they're, they're, I think what they're saying is we're really confident we don't have anything in any skeletons there. Even if we do, now's the time to bring it up because clubs are doing it and we'll get out ahead of it. It's not we actually really want to do that much better. I don't think that's the – there might be a side effect or, or part of it, but it's not the only reason they're saying let's have a review. Yeah, look, I I take – I take that side of it, but I think 
look, I don't think any club would be clean in this area. So I think um, I, I'm all, I'm all for reviews. I think I'm going to stick by that. I reckon. That, that that's fine. Well, because I guess it's yeah, a- you, I know you mentioned like you know what can you learn from five years ago, but I mean a lot of these things are, are deeply embedded with you know year on year mistakes. I think you you've just uh, not every club will have that, but the ones that do, we can pull them up and and straighten it out and fix what needs to be fixed. I think that that's actually that that's a win win. As you know, it's yeah, it's a dirty job, but I think it it has to be done because you know I don't think you can move forward without you know, getting to the bottom of some of these issues and, and fixing them. Yeah. But, uh, uh, see, both points are fair. Both, Sorry, both sides' points of view are fair. It's okay to have them both. And I might be wrong on this. You might be wrong on this. We might both be right to some degree. There's probably a grey area in it. Um, I think we can all agree that if what happened in that article is remotely close to true, then there's a big problem. And that's what needs to be stamped out and dealt with. Um, I guess I'm a skeptic and I've got some skin in the game with Clarkson. So like that's probably helped form my view on it overall. Um it's just it's just a sad situation for those involved. But I think as part of those reviews, we need to be able to have conversations like we just did and have differing points of view and like push each other. Because I I don't know how much you've spoken about it, but I'm hoping I pushed you in one direction and you oh, still no, listened and stood your ground and still want to come back the other way. And that's how we then start seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think, I mean, without straying into societal issues, cause we are a footy show, but I, I feel like there's a lot of yelling my opinion till the other side agrees in, in today's society. So I think hearing both sides, you know, agreeing and disagreeing with bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all you can do. I think that's the way it should be done. Uh, take your your life lessons from twelve rows back. I reckon. Um, th- I enjoyed that with you, Seb. But let's let's go a little well <laughs> down another road. Let's go lighter. It is trade week now. It's it's officially silly season. You did mention the Cats Mad Monday. They remain the kings of of the Mad Monday, doing it right, doing it in a fun way. I'm sure there's a few blokes in poor shape as we record this now but uh it's all good fun uh down there uh so it's into the trade week it's well when, when is trade week i think what october early october um but the rumors are flying um i personally get annoyed at this stage of the year when there's that many deals locked in and, and ready and, and we know that they're going to happen and you know trade week opens and we don't see these deals done um I mean, should it just be the season's done and we've got like a one-month period where it's just an open slather? Like, why do we have a trade week? Should we just have a trade month? Just start. If you can sign, you can you can wheel and deal. Do they really need to put it in one week? Well, it sounds like the clubs are already talking because we know, we know Grundy's going from uh, Collingwood to Melbourne and we know Luke Jackson's dominated Freo and we know this, we know that. And the journos, they're reporting it with certainty, but they're right. So there's an official trade period, which begins Monday the 3rd of October and I think goes to the following Wednesday. Um, I think it's Wednesday. Um, But that's when the deals can officially be signed. Um, The period for, is this correct? Restricted and unrestricted free agents started on, starts this Friday and goes to the following Friday. Um, so 
yeah, like why not just have that open slather and just like they're already doing 15 hours of trade radio a day. Uh, yeah. I was listening to it on the way home. They're talking about how Geelong won the flag, and I'm like, wow, you're a bit short on material here, aren't you? Um, it, it is, if you want a lesson in, in filling up uh, time, have, have a listen to it, particularly in this week when it's not actually trade week. Yeah, yeah. So It is scenario-based radio, really. Just what about this happening? What ifs? Yeah, and a lot of those what ifs are based on absolutely nothing. Um, Dugowie has turned his back on the Collingwood offer. We believe he doesn't want to sign there because of the behavioural clauses they've put in. Is that the Saints a chance here? <laughs> well, look, I, without knowing what they are, I mean, yeah, they probably keeps us in it. I'd be a bit worried if if we're. Signing in with, I mean, you do you you probably have to have behavioural clauses given his track record, don't you? In, in in his deal, I mean, is it would it be reckless to sign him without them? Yeah, possibly, but I mean, he he showed up for Collingwood in the finals. Um, yeah, yeah, it it look, I think it's really harsh on him if you have these real strict behavioural clauses in his contract and and no one else's, but. I think some of, to some degree, all players will have a level of behavioural clauses. Like you can't. Was it Ollie Wines who, who, who did his shoulder doing some water skiing yeah, in the preseason? Went wakeboarding preseason, and that wasn't in his contract, but maybe it should have been. Um, like it's it's in all the NBA and NFL contracts. You can't go off playing other sports because you get hurt. You know, you void your contract, sort of thing. Um, and like behavioural is probably another sort of branch off that, um, but yeah, I guess it depends where you sit on the whole Degoe thing. I think there was a witch hunt earlier this year on his behaviour being that of probably what a lot of young men around that age are doing in a lot of ways. So um, I'd have no problems going after him. I think he's a super player. Yeah, look, if I'm. I mean, the Saints' interests, I'm not going to, I might throw the word desperation in there. I feel like we would sign him without that kind of thing in there just to bring uh, someone, yeah, like we saw his final series, that kind of talent through the door. Uh, hope that what's in house can manage it. But uh, obviously, the Pies don't think they've got that. So they've gone the, uh, the clause. Uh, I did see JJ from the Dogs. He's re signed. So he's not going to the Suns. Oh, did he? Uh, yep. Oh, two years. Someone. Uh, I think I only saw it uh, tonight, so it's reasonably hot off the press. Uh, Heppel, I'm hearing as well, um, he's not going anywhere. He is going to stay. I actually haven't asked you, Seb, are you, where are you at with the uh, the James Hurd throwing his hat into the ring? Good call, bad call? What do you reckon? Uh, Question without notice. A shocking call from Essendon if they think, like, well, I don't think James Hurd will be a bad coach in the AFL. I don't think the club he burnt is the one he could go back and coach. Um, but, you know, more power to them. Um, if they find he's the best one for the job and, and they put the right things in place, I don't think he'd do things. I think he'd do things a little bit different this time around. I think that's safe to say. Um, I'm, I'm hearing if Brad Scott says he wants the job, it's his job, which I find I quite funny because they made a lot of fun of North for Brad Scott over the years. But, um, I think I'd he's... be surprised if he went there. He he's on a big 
big AFL con, you know, AFL oh, yeah. house contract. He's got a any... cushy job. Does he want to get back into the coaching ring? I, I, can't I don't think it. there's enough in it for him, but I think his passion might be coaching versus the admin side of things. Yeah. Um, but I think he's equally as good a coach as his brother. Just Geelong have had more to work with and better list management in place over the years than North did. It, well, yeah, I, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, you'd only have to probably, you'd argue, I mean, your, your prelim sides were, um, you, you said it, they dripped the towel dry on that one, got absolutely every inch. So, yeah, you know, a couple of bona fide stars in that mix, who knows? But, yeah, I, I'm with you. He, his coaching record yeah, it stacks up as well. Um, so I think the dogs are after two first round picks for Dunkley. So it'll be interesting to see what Brisbane do because they're going to need to stack up picks to get Ashcroft as well. He's not they... worth that. Yeah, Dunkley. it, it does seem overs. Um, so here's one for you, Seb. Actually, Tommy Campbell, he's signed another year for the Saints. No, that's, that's happening. I've just read. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to do my list of big blokes. I can't believe they're still on the list. I'm going to have to redo yeah, it. That, one, that one's for you. Uh, you might get, uh, speaking of Boomer, I think his son uh, is in draft calculations. Um, he's had a good under 18 year, so you might see Cooper Harvey uh, in a in a ruse jumper. I think um, you will see Cooper Harvey in a ruse jumper, Tom. I think you will. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, and Blake Akers to come. We kind of already knew that. So little little swirls around. Um, I'm I'm I mentioned it before. Like I don't like when the media has basically done all the trades for us. I love these surprise trades that come out of nowhere. Players that are sitting pretty right now that are going to be in another club's Guernsey that we might not have suspected. Um, You're talking Sam Mitchell to West Coast style. Yeah, real real. That was my best get ever. Yeah, that oh, that was impressive. That that's that's why we listen to you with your trade rumors, Seb, because you pull those ones out. Um, they're they're the deals that I like. You know, they're they're outside the box. They might be last minute. They might be just two clubs in the same room getting crafty. But anything the we the media doesn't have a whiff of, I think is uh, is worth some attention. Yeah, uh, I agree, um, and I think some of the the better operators keep the deals quieter. And then I think it's the managers pushing some of the other players to get uh, to get a bit of talk about them to sort of drum up some interest. Um, I still the one that still baffles me, and I don't think I'll ever understand this, is this Grundy to Melbourne scenario. Um, I don't I still don't understand why Melbourne really want him. And I still don't understand why Collingwood don't want him. Um, there's an argument to be had that if he played in either of their qualifying or prelim finals, they win the game. I was just about to say that. I think uh, it's hard to argue that. I think he he just look. He gives you more than Cameron and Cox do as a combo. So you you, you know, yeah, you take his form slump if you could call it that. Uh, you know, with a grain of salt, I, he's still a great player. Yeah, yeah, he he, he is. He, he gives you a lot more than either of them. Um, I, yeah, I can't work that out and uh, from both ends. Um, I had to pay him to leave just to bring in these other guys. I think it's it's fantastic. Um, well, I mean, you're talking about deals that defy logic. I am sitting here wondering what the hell's going on at the Suns. They have offered up Jack Bowes, who, from what I know a couple of years ago, was a, just one of those blokes that was standing with Took Miller, Potten blokes for leaving. He's now out the door, and the Suns are going to offer pick seven to entice clubs to take on his contract. 
Uh, I've never heard of anything like that offering up a first round pick so that they'll take massive deals. Uh, borderline, oh, it's just draft bribing, really. It's just a little carrot to uh, to dangle in front there. I've never seen anything like it. So that that's a head scratcher there. I think he'd be a good pickup despite the cost for any club. I think, you know, that he's had some good, He's played real well for the Suns injury plague this year, but so yeah, uh, I I think North should just go after it just to buy the draft pick. Yeah, like who on our <laughs> list do we have to pay next year? Next to no one, exactly. Get him in, and you get a, a a seven, you know, to go with your well, we well, it's seven probably ends up being eight to go with your pick two, two top tenors to go with Horn Francis. That continues your rebuild. It's it's smart, but like the cap situation at the Suns is just unbelievable. They're gonna. Yeah, let a top 10 pick go. And Jack Bowes, who I think was their vice captain at one stage, maybe he, he wore in their leadership group at least. Uh, that one's a bit of a trade week stunner for me, Seb. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can officially buy a draft pick. Don't know if it's good. Yeah. Don't know if it's good for the comp and equalization. But um, yeah, you, if you've got the cap space, you'd be mad not to be trying to orchestrate that deal. Um, in, in a way, I mean, if you can buy picks i'm now thinking seb i mean you're the, you you'd hope with your ruse given yeah maybe you aren't paying that much around would would you take on some of these deals and and just load up you, you well, know while your cap's low get some talent through it'd just be a question of how long that deal's for and and what your project cap projections are like for you know i think north should be in a position for one year two years but then if it's five years of big money and you know you've got all these youngsters who are going on to their second deals in, in sort of three years, can you swing that? That might be the question. Um, but, yeah, what's interesting, Bose and, and Grundy, big contracts, clearly not willing to renegotiate, so they're out the door. Um, yeah, the ironic thing for players is they don't have to go. They could say, I want to stay here. you got to pay me. That's the deal. That's what you signed. Um, yeah, I'd love to true. see Grundy... Because I, I think well, what happens is they have that conversation and know it's time to go. Like, well, I don't want to stay here if you don't want me. I will go. I'd love for Granny to go. No, I want to stay here. I love Collingwood. I've played <laughs> here all my life. I'm staying. You're going to pay me my million. I'm staying. Ship someone else off. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd just love to see someone stand up in those situations and do either that or do a Peter Bell. Oh, Rory Lobb requested a trade. Not entertaining that one. Yeah. Yes. Well, no. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Love that. Love that from clubs. Have some backbone. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And then, yeah, you don't have your your media swirling around, whipping up, you know, proposed trades. Basically, everything that's on Trade Radio this week. So keep keep twelve rows back on for your your level headed view of this trade period. But look, we'll go digging this week, I reckon, Seb, and let's let's find some uh, some juice that we can bring to the table next week. Yep, I'll I'll consult my sources and see what I can oh, get. Love hearing that. Yeah, no, it's um, it's all exciting. If your team's been out of the uh, the finals hunt, we're out of, knocked out of the finals early. Now we've got six months of hope. Anyone <laughs> can jump up and do anything next year. You've just sort of got to put it all together. Um, bring in some new players. Yeah, don't you worry. There'll be scenarios where North finish top four. That'll be that'll be in the discussions. Um, and. There'll be scenarios where your hated cats, Tom, fall off that cliff and finish 13. Yeah, uh, don't tempt me, Seb. That's, uh, I might sleep well now. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs>
Right, thank you for listening. If you did enjoy, please share with a friend and we will see you next week.